Allow me a bit of a meditation before I treat you to the voices of four Bailey students. At the beginning of every episode, I repeat a taken-for-granted mantra about what makes a school good, and then I complicate it by mentioning hard-to-quantify factors like responsibility, relational capacity, distributed leadership, voice, equity, and learning for all, all the time. So the question of a school's success is the thread underlying this entire series and the specific target I'm aiming at today. The dominant narrative remains quantitative in character, of course, and rooted in test scores. Of the tests being regularly administered, the gold standard NAEP tests, that's the National Assessment of Educational Progress, have the strongest claim to credibility because they have been administered regularly for decades in representative districts across the country. In other words, these tests have been vetted for validity and reliability over time. So when the 2022 NAEP scores were released just over a month ago, there was wailing and gnashing of teeth over the utterly predictable results, declines in student achievement. In other words, there was independent confirmation that pandemic learning loss was real. And to go with that, there was lots of hair-on-fire discussion of immediate action. Now, I have no quarrel with a sense of urgency in response to the perception that kids in school have suffered. But I want that urgency to be accompanied by careful and expansive interpretation of what is actually going on here before recommending the expenditure of millions, even billions of dollars nationwide on high dosage tutoring to solve a very complicated problem. If we don't understand why students' performance on standardized tests has declined, there's little likelihood that our silver bullet fix is actually going to ensure that continued growth and catch-up, if needed, actually occurs for kids. And here's where the Bailey story becomes an important object lesson. Test scores matter. Nobody sensible thinks they don't. But test scores are not the only thing that matters. Educators and others are beating the drum about the mental and physical health of youngsters post-pandemic. The Bailey team faced that nearly a decade ago. Current investigative reports indicate that school students are meaner to each other, having apparently lost some of their social-emotional capacity during pandemic lockdowns and school closures. The Bailey team knows what that kind of fear and isolation-induced meanness looks like. We're realizing that both teachers and students lost a step in their pursuit of creativity and interesting interaction while learning how to communicate digitally. The Bailey team started their work in 2012 at a time when keeping order was too often the most we could hope for. In the face of all we could put in the basket of learning loss, the educators at Bailey reconstructed their interactions and their expectations to experience success for themselves and their students. Yes, success, or at least substantial improvement in test scores, but success understood far more broadly and deeply to incorporate mental health, social and emotional capacity, academic achievement, and growth in intelligence. Does that make Bailey a model for how schools might respond to the complicated circumstances we face now? Well, it's worth a thought. More on that in a later episode. For now, let's get this party started. Everybody knows what a good school looks like. One great teacher in each classroom, dynamic principal, high test scores, order everywhere, schedule set, curriculum specified, teachers teaching, students learning. But what if this framing, though not quite wrong, misses the mark? 
Maybe a good school is a place where the boundaries separating classroom spaces are permeable and teachers share responsibility for all students' well-being and achievement. Where everything in the school is negotiable except the well-being and development of the teachers and students in it. Where students know they are cared for and respond by learning to care in return. Maybe a good school is a space where all are growing and equity is a constant concern, where each one has a voice and everybody has responsibility, where teachers are leaders and leaders are always learning. I'm Barb Stengel, your host for this podcast. Join us for Chasing Bailey as we try to figure this out. let you listen to four Bailey students speak for themselves about why they were there, what they remember, and how they have made their way with stories still very much being told. Success for these young adults is not so much about achievement understood in test-based terms as about who these young people are and why we might feel good about who the Bailey students have become and are becoming. You will meet Demisha, Brandon, Maya, and Z, all in their early 20s. As you'll see, their stories differ, but what they share is that Bailey, a middle school, was a place where they experienced both love and limits. It felt to them like a place where they could grow and develop. We start with Demisha Hansard, who came to Bailey in the sixth grade after being expelled from KIPP. She was very quick to name all her teachers, but especially those who helped her avoid getting in trouble. They include folks you've met before, social worker Mr. Keith, communities and schools coordinator Mr. Haggard, and teacher leader Ms. Bradley. I would say, like, Mr. Keith helped me through a lot of um, obstacles in life. Like, he helped me see the other side. You know, him and Ms. Bradley really shaped me. And Mr. Haggard, like, they really helped me, like, stop getting in trouble and really care about my education. What kind of grades did you get? Uh, once I stopped getting in trouble, I was an A-B student. And, you know, those little tests that they would give us, I'll be proficient in it. So, Tamisha, why were you getting in trouble? Because there was a lot of, like, going on at home back then. Like, it was just, my mom was raising seven kids at the time, and I was used to being a baby. It was just a lot just going on. So, you know, I just felt like I was being misunderstood or, like, I just didn't get that time with my mom that I needed. And I still didn't once those three kids went away. So I just learned how to cope with it. When I asked Demisha what she learned from these important folks, she said this. It's not that they taught me something. It it was Miss Bradley did teach me a lot, but Miss Bradley took the time to understand me. She said, "I love you to death," but she said, "Baby, well, you're wrong. You're wrong. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta go." And that's what she made me realize. She made me realize that, you know, she's she's not gonna always be there to save me. So, and same with Mister Keith. He took the time to understand me when other people just didn't. So, and. Did you feel that way about other teachers too, or did you feel like they were mostly too too busy? I felt that way about Miss Harden. Oh, okay. Miss Harden, uh, Mr. James, Mr. Lewis, because me and him, we bumped heads. He wrote me my first referral eighth grade year. I was mad about it. Oh, okay. And um, the next day when I came to class, he said, we can either be friends or we can either be enemies. And I was like, I, I and that's when I, I explained my point, and I was like, I felt like that you just took it overboard. It wasn't that deep. And he was like, but I had to, he said, I had to show you that, you know, basically like this isn't allowed, but he, he agreed with me. It was like agree to disagree. But then from that day forward, we was just cool. It's worth noting that all the teachers Demisha mentioned were black. And she was aware of that. She described for me the presence of caring, competent Black teachers as a particular strength at Bailey, one that made it a high-quality experience for her. I was, I, I want to say, like, sixth grade years, I had mostly white teachers. 
so I felt like that they couldn't like see me and see my like see my side of things and and understand. But I feel like the best thing about Bailey was hiring black people as a staff because they really shaped so many kids. And it was a lot of inner city kids that went to Bailey. I wasn't one of those because my my parents, you know, are educated. They didn't live in poverty or anything like that. So, you know, I think the best thing for them was to try to understand because I felt like where Bailey used to go wrong sometimes, we're hiring like teachers straight out of college and they didn't have experience with how to, and not just um, Bailey East too, and they didn't have experience with urban black kids. And it's like, when you don't have that experience, I can't expect for you to try to understand me or anything like that. But it wasn't only black teachers that cared for Demetia and who contributed to the quality of her education. She also told me about some particular curriculum experiences and name-checked two white Vanderbilt residents as particularly important to her. As far as education-wise and quality in education, I feel like my education was better at Bailey than it was at East. You mentioned like things like the cooking class that you did with Miss Clifford. Was there anything, and, and you said generally that you thought that, you know, that you learned a good bit and that you were a pretty good, you learned what you needed to learn for school. But was there anything about the curriculum that you thought was interesting or that you, you know, you really learned a lot about or you felt like people, your teachers were pushing you to be better at these things? Um, I felt like, you know, when Miss Harden opened up the boutique, she was pushing us to be better at, you know, like, professionally, like, we had a lot of clothes donated to us, you know, I helped with it. And it was, you know, she was, I, I think she was trying to show us another side, which we never thought that Bailey would just have a boutique, you know, that would be like that. And also, um, with Miss Clifford, I just think it was like a great way for us to bond. And also like me and Miss West will also bond. Miss like when I would act up or like all of that stuff, Miss West would take me to another room and talk to me, then I'll calm down. And then she'll be like, Okay. I was struck in our conversation by how realistically, but hopefully, Demisha is navigating adult responsibilities, both as the mother of a toddler named Nora and a woman who hopes to continue her pandemic and pregnancy-interrupted schooling. It, it wasn't until I had my baby girl and I was just working, like, jobs that were paying, like, 18 an hour, but I'm like, this is not what I want to do for the rest of my life, so. That's, that's really interesting that it was Nora that really tripped you. What does your, um, what, what's your baby's dad's name? What's his name? His name is James. James? What does James do? James is a maintenance technician. Oh, okay. So he works for Trebekah Towers. Okay. Actually. Okay. And um, yeah, that's what he does. He wants to actually go back to school too, but he doesn't know how we're going to try to balance it with me going to school and him going to school. But I told him, you know, because I plan on still coming back up here. I either want to go to MTSU or want to go to Belmont. But um, so I said, either way I go and I move back up here, you know, you're able to go to college and do what you need to do. Yeah. Well, especially because Tennessee does have that, the promise program. So you can get started in the, you know, the community college and, and then transfer to MTSU or one of the community others. Community college was not for me. I tried it. Oh, really? Did you? Yeah. Maybe because like when I tried college, the pandemic happened and there was just so much going on, and it was like, no, I I can't do this. So I actually dropped out, but I needed to be at a university, <laughs> like somewhere that I can physically go to every day, don't have to work a full-time job and try to balance school and do this and do that. Like, it, something has to take the load somewhere. I asked Demisha about Bailey being dismissed as a quality school. To me, that's very sad because don't judge a book by its cover because we had a lot of great college educators teaching us and wanted us to succeed. So, you know, it don't matter like what the school is because I went to KIPP and yes, I learned things at KIPP and all of that stuff. But when I went to Bailey, yes, I was ahead, 
you know, mentally, because kids teach things like ahead of time than what the schedule grading is supposed to be taught at that schedule. So, so like when I came my sixth grade year, I knew most of all the majority of the stuff. So to me, it was like, this is going to be a breeze. And, you know, seventh grade year, you know, I had, like I said, I had wonderful black teachers who took me serious and, you know, who saw that I have potential in me and that saw that I was smart enough to do it. And that just made me go harder. Like, that's really what made me stop getting in trouble because I'm like, where is it getting me? Detention and suspended. So the the challenging parts at Bailey for you were in sixth grade. And you, were there were there challenging or difficult things about Bailey when you were in seventh grade or eighth grade? Were there stories you can tell me about things that, you know, I wish it wasn't this way. I wish Bailey had been different. I wouldn't change my middle school experience because it was the best. I'm not going to lie. Like, I miss, like, I wish Bailey had in high school because I probably would have went to the high school. I just remember every single day, either I could stay after school, help Miss Bradley or help Miss Harding with anything, you know, talk to them about what's going on at home, you know, try to get like solutions and all of that stuff. Also, when Miss Harding created Bailey Boutique, I thought that was amazing. Like, I really love the fact that my teachers were so strong on, you know, having relationships with their students and not just seeing them as a student. So like Miss Clifford did the little cooking class with us. Like it was a lot of like the home ec class. Like it was a lot of good stuff that actually came out of Bailey. And I just think that, you know, it's sad that people just thought that, okay, these are urban kids, you know, all of that stuff. Like they would skip over it. But to me, I, I feel like Bailey really shaped me into the like woman individual that I am today. Because if I did not go to Bailey, would I still be this troubled youth? Brandon Tuck came to Bailey just for eighth grade. He came partly because it was a STEM magnet school and partly because his family circumstances required him to switch school districts. He wasn't able to get into Meg's, the most prestigious magnet middle school, so his father chose Bailey instead. Interestingly, Brandon did end up at what many consider the most desirable high school in Nashville, Hume Fogg. Um, and I was going through a rough patch. I, I had to transfer to a school in Nashville. And initially it was going to, I was shooting for Meg's Magnet School, but the I wasn't put into the lottery fast enough. Um, so I ended up at Bailey for the year, for the last year of like middle school. Okay. And so that's how it happened. And it was just eighth grade that you were there? Yes. Meg's. And Bailey are two very different places. What was what was your thinking about that? Um, so initially it was my dad's idea and I just kinda went along with it. I mean my parents both well mainly my dad wanted me to just go to a better school that pushed me academically. So if I stayed in Rutherford County, I would I was currently at Rock Springs, but then if for high school, I would have gone to Central Magnet. Um, but since I moved to Nashville, the top choice was Meg's. But since I didn't go through, my dad did some research and he figured Bailey would be the second best. Okay. And then we would shoot to transfer or try to get into the lottery for Hume Fog after that. Okay. And what did happen with you? Where did you end up for high school? And, and then I presume you went on to college? Um, so for high school, I actually did end up going to Hume Fogg and that was freshman year. So two weeks into my freshman year, I was, um, at first at Glencliffe, but then I got accepted from the lottery to go to Hume Fogg. So I was there from freshman year up until graduation. And was Hume Fogg the right place for you? Did you feel like that was a good experience? Oh, for sure. And I didn't push myself, honestly, I didn't push myself as hard as I could have academically. But I did learn a lot um, as if I feel like compared to if I stayed and went to Glencliffe, I feel like the atmosphere at Hume Fogg is just different from any of the other public schools in Nashville. Very diverse and 
it's like downtown Nashville. So like you're always, you know, out and about and like exposed to so many things going on versus like being more in the suburbs. Brandon, my, how do you identify culturally? My sense of you is that you're Asian American, but I, I don't know how you describe yourself. Yeah, I, I guess I would identify myself as Asian American. Yeah. Okay. In the most simplest sense. Okay. And, and, um, and then what about school after Hume Fogg? So I did end up going to Chattanooga um, for a little bit, about a year. UT Chattanooga? Yes. Okay. Um, I was there for about a year and some change, um, but some life situations happened and I ended up out of school and I kind of took that time to reevaluate what I wanted for myself and what I really wanted to do for myself. And I had an opportunity to actually come work with family. Um, I knew my uncle was working in Atlanta and had his own company. So I ended up seeing him at a kind of like family friend, a friend gathering, and he was there. And so I just asked him if I could come work with him. And I ended up making the move to Atlanta um, shortly after. I pushed Brandon just a little bit about his work over college choice. And again, as with Demisha, I was struck by how thoughtfully he approached adulting as he weighed lifestyle issues with other possible career paths, including nursing. I think college definitely does matter depending on what field you want to go into, right? So like, I can't succeed at being a nurse without going to school. I probably need to go back to school for that. Um, which I did think about, um, but initially when I was in college, I started off with a, well, like working toward the marketing degree. And after my personal situation happened where I kind of like stepped back, I thought about it and it's just like, I don't technically need a degree in business to per like to be successful in business. Right. And if I wanted a more office job to work under somebody, then it put me at better odds or could put me at better odds. But I wanted to put myself in a position where I have more freedom and leverage to work on my own time and my own accord. Um, and so like, I find it a blessing that like, I was able to have this opportunity to come down and work with family. Um, I have more freedom with what I do. Um, and there's like a lot better communication with just like work life and personal life, just because it's like, it's family. I wondered how Brandon, an Asian American student by culture, with a strong academic background, who had not experienced learning loss, felt coming into Bailey. It was definitely um, a change of pace. Um, I was still in the suburbs, but I feel like that dy the dynamic was like completely different from like a Rutherford school. Um, I guess the typical, like, I guess middle school mindset was still there, but I feel like there was just like kind of a shift of dynamic. I, I, I can't really describe it, but I just felt different, but there were some similarities. Everybody talks about, um, you know, we, everybody has in their head that Bailey was, um, you know, predominantly black, which of course it was. And yet I have a sense, especially the more I talk with kids that, um, although Bailey was black and a lot of kids were poor, that there was more sort of diversity among the students than, than, you, than you notice right away. In the same way that there's more diversity in schools that are predominantly white than you notice right away. Honestly, I didn't really pay much attention to that um, during that year there, but now that we're talking about it, I, I can recall, yeah, I guess it was predominantly black. Um, our, my friend group though, I mean, I got along with everybody in my grade and some others like below me. Um, but my group was really diverse. We had, including me, like two or three Asians. Um, there was a, I believe two Middle Eastern, um, and then a couple of black people, whether or not it be like more black American or like, um, actually African, um, black descendants. So I feel like my group was pretty diverse and not only from our group itself, but like, I didn't really have a problem like engaging with other students. I didn't really pay attention to whether or not they were black or not. 
Brandon's friend group tended to circulate around STEM coordinator Julie Hasfield, and Ms. Hasfield was the teacher who had an impact on him, as he'll tell us. But he also had props for Coach Gardner, who taught him algebra, and Ms. Shipman, who taught global literacy. Well, Coach Gardner, for sure. Um, honestly, I, I couldn't remember his name for the longest. I think if I talked to one friend, I could have. I just remember his face and his personality, but he was always cool to be around. Um, I think I had him in the morning, so it was good to start off my day like that without like having a teacher that was like always like on on our butts, you know. Um, and he always cracked jokes. He was always cool with the, the other like the little the other kids, so it was a fun time. And I think besides him, I think she was a history teacher, Miss Shipman. I believe. Yes. Yeah. Uh, taught. Well, she they left, ca- called it global literacy. Global literacy. Yeah. She left a, an impression on me. She was pretty, uh, very bubbly. Um, not in the sense of like very quirky and like very like, oh, you're doing too much. But like, I felt like she was really stern when she needed to be. Um, but at the same time, she had like, she she like lifted up spirits, and she was always good to be around. But it was Miss Hasfield who moved him. Honestly, I I don't remember how we bought we got so close, but I can tell you like she saved my life. Like this call could go on for like for hours on like why she did, but I ended up like talking to her about my personal problems and she was just there for me. Like she just listened and you know, just understood. And it's something I feel like I really needed. I felt like nobody was able to just listen and understand like what I had to say. And she was there for me during that year. Brandon didn't need Bailey to be academically superior, but he did need social engagement and emotional support. And he got it, partly through the action of his father. Oh, yeah. No, it was, my my dad was a big supporter in like my transition to Nashville. Um, I would always go visit on the weekends um, but being like actually going to school in Nashville, I'm um, starting eighth grade year was like a, like I said, a big switch and a different dynamic. Um, but he definitely made the effort. Like once, especially when springtime came around, I was on the soccer team and he offered to be the assistant coach. So we were always involved with the soccer team. Um, and just always being a part of that. And I think prior to that, like fall semester, um, I was always like trying to meet up with friends and he would, he would drive me what 15 minutes. Cause at the time we lived um, at the fairgrounds. So that was about like a 15 minute drive. And he would take the initiative to like, you know, either let me stay after school, go home with friends, hang out, or um, they could come back with me or whatever the situation was that day. Brandon was different from many Bailey students in that he had no history of academic difficulty. In fact, He came in so well-prepared academically that he could attend Hume Fogg the next year without missing a beat. So we might think Bailey didn't really impact him. But he made clear that that wasn't the case. Oh, don't get me wrong, though. I mean, as as little as Bailey pushed me academically, socially, I think it definitely made a way bigger impact than the, like, previous two years I had at my, like, other middle school. I think that year made a much bigger impact on me, like mentally and for my own personal growth than the previous two years. Um, So I'm grateful for experiencing that at Bailey for sure. And having a teacher like Ms. Hasford. After talking with Demisha and Brandon, I realized several things. One is that there was more diversity at Bailey than we might have led you to believe so far. The Bailey scholars weren't just poor black kids from the projects. They were bright young people with a wide range of backgrounds, racially, culturally. But it does seem that life situations impacted them. And this is so often the case for all students, perhaps especially middle school students. The other thing I picked up on was how parents' presence or absence can make a difference. 
Like Brandon, Maya Black is another scholar whose parent was so involved and supportive of her school's success. Um, I was at Bailey maybe 2012 to 2014. I would say it was my sixth grade year. I came halfway through and then I did my entirety my seventh grade year. Oh, okay. And did you, did you stay for eighth grade or did you? I didn't. I ended okay. up having to leave. Okay. Where did I didn't you want to, but I did. Where I did moved out go? of state. I moved to Georgia. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um. All right. And where did you come from in 2012 or 13, whenever it was. I came from East Lit. And why did you come to Bailey instead of East Lit? Um, from East, I was having um, problems with certain teachers. Okay. Um, okay. And then there were situations where like a high schooler, was I was in middle school and was trying to fight me because of things that her sister said. Um, so my mom just thought it would be best for me to just move all, like, all over just because of the teacher situation, yeah. the student situation. Yeah. So I had been to three schools at that point. So there's a okay. difference in all of them. I also went to Liberty the okay. year before East. Okay. Um, Liberty. So Liberty was a charter school. Mm-hmm. Um, it still is Liberty Collegiate Academy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was in the first year of them opening. So I was one of the first like hundred kids that they had at the day, the old daycare center. Yes. yes. Um, and going from Liberty to East, it was a huge difference because Liberty like, they weren't allowed to like not have uh, each classroom had to have at least three pages of homework. Like the teacher had to have homework. And so um, the level of stress that I had in fifth grade (laughs) was not healthy at all. Um, I learned a lot. Like when I got to East, I was like, I've already learned most of this. Um, There was just stuff that they just added onto it, but I had already learned a good portion of it while Mm -hmm. I was at Liberty, Mm -hmm. but it was very kind of, it was stressful at Liberty. And then Mm -hmm. when I got from, um Bailey to from when I went to Bailey from uh East it was a little bit of a change because like I went back to going in the uniforms because East didn't have uniforms and um Bailey was like considered rougher mm-hmm. it really mm-hmm. wasn't that it wasn't that bad but like just hearing people talk about it I was like oh god I don't know what I'm gonna get into like the school but I don't consider Bailey as rough as people made it seem it didn't yeah. have a lot of fights. Not that I can like just really recall. We didn't have a lot of fights. Um, Dr. Sawyer, um, Coach Kinsler, Dr. Parsons, they were on top of keeping us in check. Like we didn't, we weren't just like doing a whole bunch of crazy things. That's why like when I was like kind of scared to go there, but it really wasn't as bad as they made it seem. We talked about athletics at Bailey. Maya didn't play on any teams, but she was a cheerleader her seventh grade year and paid attention to the way coaches played a significant role in scholars' lives. As a cheerleader, she worked with Coach Moore and told me about Miss Kinzer, who coached basketball. She acknowledged the role that athletics can play in helping scholars develop self-discipline. Um, okay. I did cheerleading seventh grade year. I could see, so I didn't, she didn't coach me, but I could see like my neighbor was coached by her and I could just see the difference from her not being coached by her and like her behavior wise and being coached by her. And cause we obviously live next door to each other, um, walk home together, ride the bus together, just mm-hmm. seeing the difference in that, like seeing how much more she was paying attention because she wanted to be on the team and stay on the team. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom enjoyed her too. If we didn't move, I would have still been going there. She loved it. We were very involved. Um, with me being cheer, my mom was one of the cheer moms. Tell me about Coach Moore. <laughs> Loved her. She was <laughs> definitely, um, she was definitely a little bit of a character. She definitely kept her girls in check. She was, mm-hmm. we were, she was not playing about us getting in trouble or, um, none of that. Um, I think I met her in sixth grade, but I didn't get to like, I wasn't, I didn't have gym like the whole semester because yeah. how long late I came into it. Um, but then I ended up obviously being closer to her as she was my cheer coach. Um, I was actually going to be captain if I didn't move. I asked Maya about her experience of leaving Bailey to go to Georgia, and she brought me back to the diversity of the Bailey students. No, I wasn't behind academically, but it was definitely like a culture shock almost. I'll say in my grade level, I remember my one of my best friends was white, one was black, and one was Asian. Like just in that one year, like yeah. So we were very diverse. And when I moved to Georgia, in my classroom, like in my class, because we had like kind of like pods almost, 
it was only like two Hispanic girls, um, I think one Asian and everybody else was just black or white or mixed. Okay. Okay. And then like the, my Hispanic friends growing up, like where I've lived and then um, like Bailey, they would, they wouldn't talk in Spanish. And I was like, can y'all talk Spanish? She's like, we can, we just don't do it here. And I'm like, what? Like it's your, you oh. can talk in your own language. It was such the bit that was the biggest thing I think that I had to get adjusted to was just the culture shock that there was yeah did you feel like the teachers at Bailey were accepting of that diversity I definitely think that they were definitely wanting to understand um I remember a conversation I can't think of her name right now but she was I think she was like co-teachers with Mr. Moots or something like that but we were having a conversation because um was it Miss West I don't know exactly was it yes, Amanda West? West? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We were actually talking about it and because neither Skylar or her were from Tennessee, I don't think, or at least not Nashville. No. And we were talking about it and we were like, y'all came to one of the worst schools to try to teach us. And y'all have no idea just how any of our, like, any, like, not even, like, just even Tennessee in general, like, you don't have to understand how the South works. I was like, y'all don't understand how low income schools work. And I was like, cause I, they, I think they were getting stressed out about something. And we were like, y'all chose the one of the worst schools to come to. But it was like, they were like, well, y'all aren't the worst school. She was like, I love all of y'all. And she just like made sure that like, yes, I'm not from here. I don't completely understand, but that doesn't mean that I'm not here to help teach y'all or that I don't care mm -hmm. or anything like that. And so I, mm -hmm. I, I remember that, which I appreciated. I asked her about Dr. Sawyer and Dr. Jasper working together to help all students succeed. I think Sawyer and Jasper really work together to sort of wrap their arms around they did. the school and the kids. Did you feel like that too? Yes, I actually, um, I worked in the office um, and I spent most of my time in the office because I, you know, who wants to go to class? No. <laughs> Um, yeah. But I was in the office and definitely seeing like they they definitely let us be involved. I would say, um, especially my seventh grade year, Miss um, um, Hashford. Yes, yes. She, um, yes, she, we had her and like she made us involved. We had the Bailey beat and I was on there all the time. Um, I thought I remembered you were on the Bailey beat, but I wasn't sure. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, cool. Um, um, she made us involved. I was gonna say, Miss. Uh, Miss Shayla Williams, she definitely kept me involved. Uh, like they, they definitely kept us involved, and not just me. Like other students, uh, they definitely tried to like connect with us more. I feel like out of all of my schools that I've been to, Dr. Sawyer was in my room a little bit more than mm -hmm. any school that I've been to, compared to like even high school. Now, like now, when I where I graduated from, like he was in our classrooms, uh, talking to us, not just like just observing because they did do an observation but he was also just in there if mm -hmm. that makes any sense mm -hmm. i talked with maya about attending college after graduating from hunter's lane high school her story is as is true for so many of the bailey students not simple covid made things much more difficult and for maya the birth of a beautiful child named brooklyn was a delightful complication still she is making big plans for her future and her enthusiasm is infectious. Um, I finished out my first semester at Ball State. Um, and then um, COVID hit, so I kind of dropped out. Okay. Oh, fun, love that. And then um, I've just been working. I'm actually planning on going back in the springtime. Um, I actually have to make my schedule for the spring, October 31st or November 1st. So I'll be going back. I actually moved to Gallatin to be closer to Ball State because I was driving from East Nashville to Madison and then mm -hmm. to here almost three days out of the week. It was just a lot. Um, so I actually now live in Gallatin. So I'm right down the street from it. Um, and so, so we're going to see how the spring semester goes. What are you, where are you working? What kind of work are you doing? I work at a childcare. I work at um, Keystone. It's a daycare oh, okay. in Gallatin. Okay. Okay. Um, it and, just opened up. And are you going to do... Are you going to study something related to childcare, or are you you're just trying to make some money right now? So my degree is early childhood education. Okay. Um, but when I go back this spring, I'm going to switch my degree 
I'm going to switch it to criminal justice. They have a program here. I'm going to switch my degree. And then I have one class to finish out my associate's degree. Um, I'm going to hold off on that one. And then at the end of my criminal justice degree, I'm going to pick up that last education class and have both my degrees at the same time. Um, And then I'll have to go back to school because I didn't think about it until later on down the line. But um, Hunter's Lane actually just put in a criminal justice department. So they have like... um, pathways and they have a now they now have a criminal justice pathway so i'd have to go back to school to be able to teach high schoolers since i teach since my degree is ed- ed- yes. early, early childhood, childhood. Right. right um but then hopefully so i'll be able to t- hopefully i'll be able to teach um younger kids until that point and then hopefully i'll be able to either go there or another school that has criminal justice and be able to teach high schoolers about criminal justice wow that sounds great that's yeah. i mean so it we're sounds gonna- like you re- really have a plan yeah, I would say I was talking to my advisor literally not even a month ago, and he was like, well, you might be able to finish this because I was looking at two degrees, and he was like, mm-hmm. well, if you do this one, you'll finish this one, and he was like, well, you might be able to just finish all three at the exact same time, so I'm hoping that's what happened. Maya seemed to recognize that relationships between the scholars and teachers were the key to her positive educational experience, that Jasper's and Sawyer's approach to love and limits paid off. I did know that Bailey was a failing school. Um, I can't remember how I found out that it was a failing school, but that, because I think our te- I think our teachers told us um, that it was a failing school, like letting us know that. Because when I got, I want to say our seventh grade year, I can't remember which teacher, but we were talking about that we were going up in our like test scores, like we weren't just where we were at. I guess the year mm-hmm. before that I got mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did know that I would say, um, Dean Porter definitely was kind of like an auntie to everybody mm-hmm. and you weren't going to talk back and you go back to class, no. um, loved her, she, but she was not going to play games with us. Um, I, she definitely was definitely like our aunt though. Like I could see her like being my mom's best friend or like my mm-hmm. mom's sister. And like, she's mm-hmm. like, go to class. Like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. And I would say, I think we... I think our teachers also, like, when it came down to test scores and all of that, they also, like, they gave us words of encouragement, and then they also gave us, like, hey, if you do this, like, if we meet this, you can get this, but, like, also just letting us know that, like, we know it, and it's not, Mm -hmm. because I think a lot of people have, like, um, like, test anxiety almost, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so they typically just do bad because of their, like, they're anxious about it and not wanting to do bad and they end up doing bad. So just like reminding us like, hey, you do know this. We've been over this. I know that you know this. It's, you know, it's okay. It's not that bad of a, you know, situation. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, they definitely did try to keep us in the loop. My entire seventh grade year, I tell people this all the time. That is one of my best years of schooling. And it's at Bailey. Um, the amount of things that I was introduced to at Bailey, I wouldn't have got at East or at Liberty. Um, during my seventh grade year we started the Bailey Beat and then you know I ended up getting really interested in broadcasting and uh, one I actually kind of wanted to be like a news anchor for a little bit in time and I got that introduction through uh, Bailey uh, yeah through Bailey and then also like our STEM our STEAM and STEM projects um, that we did I remember we ended up going to like this um, almost I don't know if it's like a convention, but like it was other schools and we were showing competing in like STEM projects and we got to see different things that other schools created. I wouldn't have got that at East or uh, East or Liberty. Uh, that wasn't an option there. Um, so it interests my uh, curiosity and like STEM, STEM education and just seeing like the different things that we created. I remember in seventh grade, um, I think it was our eighth graders, but they had went to Texas. Yes, yeah. And they, and like, just, just seeing that was so interesting and like seeing, cause we, me being the Bailey, doing the Bailey beat, we had a lot of, um, you had to do like a lot of like editing and putting the videos together and showing it in the green screen and just doing that. So like seeing how much fun they had, cause they got to work with us on that showing us like, oh, this is what we did. Cause I think we won if I'm correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We won. They yeah. Won a national STEM challenge. Yeah. Just like that's knowing that my school did that seventh grade was honestly my favorite year of all of my years of schooling um you know I think the way they introduced introduced everything I I do think you're you're on to something because it it wasn't 
it wasn't just, okay, we have to put our nose to the grindstone and learn this stuff and get good test scores. It was completely different. There was, they were so intent on making sure that you, you had every opportunity that every kid at every good school had. So yeah. you had a Bailey beat and you had cheerleaders and really good sports teams and you had, you were entered in contests outside of the school. And we had yeah. those STEM elective classes, um, you know, on Thursday afternoons where you. Yes. You know, I, and I, I love those too. I would say um, me and my friend, me and my best friend, we actually, um, we did the, I can't remember exactly what it was, but we did the special, special education classes. Mm. Um, and, mm like going there every Thursday and just seeing because like they didn't get to come up with us all the time yes. uh they enjoyed like seeing us they were some of the funniest <laughs> like just having the conversation that we did we enjoyed that and just seeing like the how the teachers taught them completely different from us and what they were teaching them uh I wouldn't have gotten that at East I don't believe that that was even like a an like an option to be able to go into that area Mm-hmm. at east and liberty didn't have that at all at least not the time that i was there yeah because no, um, we were only we were only like four classrooms <laughs> in this old daycare so it wasn't like too much um but i enjoyed my time at bailey Demisha, Brandon, and Maya all valued their time at Bailey for how it grew them socially and every other way. All three followed the path to college, apparently felt capable of success, but detoured for both personal and external reasons. The last student featured has a story that is both more complicated and maybe even more inspiring. Zayana Jennings was smart and charismatic but sought the attention she craved from her ill mother in all the wrong ways. I remember Z as literally filling the halls at Bailey with her presence and her compelling voice, kind of larger than life. This earned her the attention of literacy coach Kelly Latham, principal Dr. Sawyer, and eventually the Bailey teacher leader who would take her in when her own mother passed, Whitney Bradley. Student transience was a reality at Bailey, with students arriving and leaving constantly. But Z, as we called her, was at Bailey before Dr. Sawyer arrived and stayed throughout his tenure. As Bailey got its act together, so did Z, eventually becoming student council president. Z had all the intelligence and background to go to college, but wasn't sure she had the confidence needed. She told me all about it. Listen carefully as she talks about her mom. Sometimes she is referring to her birth mother, who is now deceased. But more often, she refers to Whitney Bradley Weathers, her husband Carlton, and her two brothers and a sister, her new family. We started our conversation by talking about Z at Bailey. Z at Bailey was kind of... She was like an up and down type of thing. It took me a really long time to like stable myself and figure out who I wanted to be and what life I wanted to live for. And then since I was so young and I had lived a certain type of life for the, I just was super kind of wild and obnoxious. And (laughs) I like, I just, I just like to laugh and I just had my moments at Bailey. And um, I had started there when I was in like fifth grade, really young. And then I ended up leaving, went went to another middle school, but then I ended up coming right back, like mm-hmm. within the same, within like the next years or whatever, within the next years. Mm-hmm. And I ended up finishing there. But um, before I became student um, council president, I was just like kind of all over the place. And I, like you said, I really didn't, I didn't know myself, nor did I love the person that I was. I was going through, uh, I guess, an identity crisis, trying to figure out exactly who is Z, mm-hmm. who is Ziana, because my name is Ziana. Yes, no, I know but, that. 
but for the longest I didn't I, I, I didn't accept who I was I didn't know who I was and I just was just passing through life I was in this type of set mode that I just need to live I just need to make it to the next day and then I say about when I got into like the seventh grade I had met some I met like I had met a few people that kind of opened my eyes a little bit showed me like showed me like that even though it seems like that this is this is it this is all that this is all that you can reach this is your this is it like I thought that for the longest until like I had I had ended up getting a social worker his name was um Keith Ekator Mm -hmm. and he was like one of my biggest person just to be there for me and show me that like black excellence is reachable and that this is not the only way to live and you can really be something that you whatever you want to be is reachable because for a long time I just thought like I can't I'm gonna be nothing I thought I used to tell myself all the time that like this is it you ain't gonna never leave this this place you're you're gonna be living in that same hood doing the same thing I probably I thought I was gonna be pregnant young I just mm-hmm. thought like I had the worst outlook on life for the longest until these people came into my life you came I met Dr. Latham mm-hmm. I met my mom Miss mm-hmm. Brad Miss mm-hmm. Weathers now Mrs. Mm-hmm. Weathers mm-hmm. now who will always be Bradley to me <laughs> I mean it's just yeah <laughs> sorry Carlton but yeah <laughs> I, I met my mom and I had so my support system, Dr. Sawyer, who really believed in me still to this day. Yes. He reach out to me, he check on me, he just make sure that like I'm staying focused and that he really want he just like I want to reach my full potential. I have so many people around me that I met at Bailey that wants me to be the best me. And if I didn't have those things, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I'm not exactly where I want to be but I wouldn't have got as far as I have made it just off of like the little things like I took a a lot of losses and stuff Mm -hmm. and then if I didn't have those support systems that I have that I got from Bailey Mm -hmm. I probably wouldn't have you know made it before seventh grade Z lived with her mother who was quite sick and unable to care for her She said she was 12 and on her own. She described that for me. Sometimes it could be overwhelming. And when I look back at it, I used to think that that was normal. I used to think like, it's people out there, it's kids living way worse than me. Like Mm -hmm. I I thought that was the normal because so many people around me was without and was worse off than I was so I was like okay I'm not doing that bad like I still got my mom regardless if she's Uh sick or Uh active I still have somebody Uh it's plenty of people who like don't have nobody who I just at the time I thought it was like I was living a normal life that like oh sometimes you got to work harder than the normal person your age or sometimes you got to do a little bit more than people who who like out having fun and like Uh being kids Z lived in a safe neighborhood herself near Bailey, but had a good friend who lived in Casey Homes and found herself hanging out there, despite her now mom Bradley offering her both love and limits. During this time, she would like bring me around and just have just have me like over her house and stuff like that. And I would see a lot of stuff because she lived in an area that wasn't that wasn't too it wasn't kid friendly, I would say. Yeah. For me yeah. to be yeah. 12, 13, 11 and stuff like mm-hmm. that. That wasn't mm-hmm. the age that I should have seen a lot of stuff. Even though her overall was one of my closest friends, I'm glad that she brought me to the area so that I could see a place that I didn't mm-hmm. want to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I had, and what's crazy is that I had a lot of fun at that time when I was so young. And then when I think about it, I'm like, I had so much fun, but I, we really weren't supposed to be doing all of that stuff we was doing. <laughs> and it was like, yeah, 
my mom now she used to I used to like go out of my way to try to go over there and like during that time she used to be like sometimes she would tell me no like yeah. no you can't go or no you no sometimes she would tell me no and at the time I would not understand I used to be like why like I used to be so I used to be like why like mm-hmm. just I used to get upset probably like I just did not understand why sometimes she would tell me no mm-hmm. and as I as I'm older now, it just makes sense why she would tell me no. I needed somebody to tell me no. I asked Z about her mother's death and how she became part of Bradley's family. And as she shared her experience, she made some astute observations about mental health in disadvantaged communities. I had to go through like a, I went through like a really rough patch mentally of just getting stable and stuff. I had to unlearn some horrible some horrible coping mechanisms that I had, I think that's, is that the word? Like, yeah, I that's had, exactly what you, yeah, that's right. I had, I had some bad habits, some bad habits. That I had that to you, unlearn because mm-hmm. I had picked up so much trying to survive and trying to heal myself that it wasn't until like I got with my mom and she got me real help, real mental help because in the black community or in the, in the, the underprivileged community, mental health is not, is not spoken upon is not something that people take serious when Mm -hmm. in reality it Mm -hmm. almost like cost me my life. When I asked Z to characterize Bailey as a school, interestingly, she started with the presence of the Vanderbilt residents. This may not seem out of the ordinary if you attend a suburban school, but very rarely were student teachers assigned to schools that were considered among the worst. Z was very realistic about what went on inside and out when it comes to Bailey. I would say that Bailey was very different because for one, my eighth grade year, we had student teachers. I had never seen that before that. It was it was teachers walking around that was like 25, 24, mm-hmm. 22, like and these was real these was really our teachers and it just had shocked me because I'm like they brought these people to our school like <laughs> when it had came in it was very shocking because I was just was like our school I you know sometimes you never know you just don't know I just I was like I don't know what's going on but let's let's ride with it mm-hmm. let's mm-hmm. see what let's see where it goes and stuff like that and it was also different because since Bailey was not a huge school it was not huge at all it was like way smaller than what I was familiar to Mm -hmm. and so since it was so small everybody knew each other everybody seen each other like we seen each other probably at the grocery store we seen Mm -hmm. each other at Inglewood Center we seen Mm -hmm. each other we seen each other so much because just the East Nashville area is mm-hmm. is like it's super close knit, and most of the same kids that live in a certain and live in this area, mm-hmm. they went there. So we mm-hmm. all it was very tight and close knit, mm-hmm. and it was like they did have a lot of like, um, I would say aggressiveness a little bit. It was a lot of stuff going on. We experiences death I experienced death at Bailey I experienced mm-hmm. people pregnant and I experienced some of the most horrific things but I mm-hmm. also had some of my best experiences there and I feel like that kind of spoke a lot about like Bailey overall that like it's in this area that has all of these surrounding places that's mm-hmm. like all of these big old houses all of these nice neighborhoods and stuff like that but it was so shitty Mm -hmm. it was so Mm -hmm. Bailey was even though we had amazing teachers we had um I think the teachers and the staff made Bailey what it was because they it was about the experience they made sure that even though we was I guess underprivileged we was the we was the out we was less of what Mm -hmm. everybody else was they made us feel like we was top notch Mm -hmm made us feel like that we was capable of reaching anything we was capable of doing anything z made an about face academically and she describes her academic turnaround in a way that captures the experience of many bailey students 
prompted when a particular teacher, in her case, Bradley turned mom, was her teacher. Although she's clearly talking about all her teachers at Bailey. At the time, she was my mom, but my mom was my English teacher. And um, I would say... I'll be the first to admit that before I had, um, before I had met my mom, I didn't see, I, I, I didn't believe in myself much. I didn't. And then I wasn't reaching for the stars. I was reaching for barely. I'm just trying to get off the ground. I didn't, I wasn't a good reader. Mm-hmm. I wasn't right. a good writer. I couldn't speak fluently. I I could talk all the time. I talk, I would talk all the time and be very loud and obnoxious, but I would never speak per I would never use my words for anything besides being obnoxious and having fun and yelling and I couldn't I couldn't even read really. I read at like mm-hmm. one of the lowest levels. I couldn't I did I could read, but I didn't. And so when it was time for me to. I I just I didn't prevail and when it came when I had got into my mom's class or whatever she always had us like reading daily she was an English teacher so of course but she had us reading daily and it wasn't about just reading it was about what we was reading mm-hmm. some uh I can't ex- remember exactly the names of the books that we was reading but still to this day some of the some parts of the books come into my mind and it makes me just think about like some of the things I've learned and I implement them into my day-to-day life Mm -hmm. or even with getting greater understanding of people she the stuff that we was reading was very we needed to read it it was Mm -hmm. stuff that we probably would have never read if we wasn't in that class or if we didn't go to Bailey because even when I because I did know people outside of Bailey that I knew people from like East. I knew people from Goodlesville mm-hmm. who went to Goodlesville High School. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, not Goodlesville High, Goodlesville Middle School. And when I would speak about these books that I'm reading, they wasn't reading the same thing. Right. And at first I was like, so we got this. Is it because we poor? Like, what is it? Mm-hmm. But in reality, it wasn't, it didn't even have anything to do with like right. the status level or anything like that. It was because they felt like this is what we needed to read. Right. And I'm grateful that even with my curriculum and having like the student teachers that came in from like vendor building, stuff like that, having that extra support in the classroom, it was, it was needed because at Bailey, Bailey is not a normal school. So you got so many different types of kids in one classroom. Mm -hmm. Sometimes one teacher is not enough. Mm -hmm. And so when they brung in these more hands, it was where I learned the most. Mm-hmm. I went and they was more hands-on they was more engaged and attentive they paid attention more it wasn't just like everybody just doing their best just to pass it was like you're gonna pass and you're gonna really learn this z puts an exclamation point on the value of being raised on love with limits i had mm-hmm. went through having a family and being raised solely on survival mm-hmm. to building my own family and being raised on love and understanding and compassion and all these other things that I didn't receive. Maybe you aren't as impressed with these young people as I am, but their wisdom is evident as is their willingness to take responsibility for themselves. They understand what they needed when they were in middle school and what Bailey gave them. What was that? They wanted to be seen, encouraged, and challenged as the key to their capacity to learn, to master academics. And they were. I'm sitting here with several prompts in front of me artifacts from the Sawyer-Jasper era at Bailey, a yearbook, a newspaper article celebrating Bailey for coming off the state takeover list, list of students' names and their achievement level on the Tennessee state tests, samples of student projects, survey data documenting educator, family, and student satisfaction, 
a district printout listing individual schools' composite performance on all of these indicators? And as I look carefully, I'm thinking about the criteria of a good school that we use to complicate the narrative. Those criteria, the criteria built on relationships rather than on test scores, form the structure of Bailey's claim to success. And the students I talked with zeroed in on that. Focusing on test scores is backward, now in the wake of the pandemic, but also every day and every year as youngsters develop. We can get to test scores, but only if we grow the students in all the other ways at the same time. But as it turned out, none of this success mattered. With some irony, Dr. Sawyer describes what happened in the summer of 2015. There was an article that because of the growth that we had that third year, we were TVOS 5. We were taken off the shutdown list. And then we were closed. It really wasn't funny, of course, but maybe we were laughing so we wouldn't cry. Next time, we probed the district's decision to close Bailey on Greenwood Avenue and to move the students en masse to Stratford High School. It's an interesting story that reveals so much about the political winds shaping public school. I hope you'll join us. Mm -hmm.